Salah, welcome to the Commerce Talks podcast. Last podcast today at the Seamless Conference in the Seamless Sounds Commerce Talks booth. It's not a bus. We've talked about it. Um, and uh, it's, But it's my favorite topic. It's about cars today. Fantastic. Fantastic. Can you please introduce yourself uh, and the Arabian Automobiles company? Sure. First of all, thank you very much, Alex, for having me. Uh, my name is Salah Yamut. I'm the Chief Operating Officer of Arabian Automobile Company. We're uh, the uh, distributor of Nissan, Infiniti, and Renault in Dubai and Northern Emirates. We've been uh, the partner of Nissan for over 50 years. Actually, we're into our 53rd year uh, as the business partner. And we operate uh, three brands, Nissan, Infiniti, and Renault. And uh, we're in the business of selling cars, whether to customers directly or to businesses, B2C or uh, B2B. We are in the business of servicing, cost, uh, servicing cars. We get about a thousand vehicles into our workshop every day. Plus, we operate workshops for other companies. And the third business we're in is parts. We're the, uh, if not the largest importer of spare parts for Nissan globally. So those are our three parallel businesses. And I run the uh, business focusing on three things. First, I focus on the smooth daily operation of the three businesses. I look into making sure that the business is future ready. And here we talk more about digitalization, data analytics, and making sure that our people mindset are ready for and are using the technologies we're introducing. And the third thing I focus on is making sure that we're profitable as any manager. Ah, okay. Yeah, we had a lot of online businesses today. That was not a focus uh, <laughs> of, um, of them. Can you can you tell uh, quickly? Uh, we had it in the in the in the pre-talk quickly the difference between selling cars here in the region versus like a European sales model. Sure. Uh, in Europe, you've got the the dealer model. The dealer model. The first thing is you don't hold much stock. Your stock is minimum. Uh, here in uh, the UAE, the way we operate in the region, we operate as a national sales company, meaning we're responsible for the upper funnel and the lower funnel. Upper funnel meaning ordering the right stock. And at any point in time, we've got three months of stock on the ground, one month of stock in uh, the pipeline, and we've got another two months of uh, commitments. So we're constantly working with about six months of stock. The, this is cars. On parts, we run about two and a half to three months of stock. And when you look at it, you're talking about 55,000 line items, a stock worth uh, a lot. Let's put it that way. So it's a complex business to operate. It depends a lot on data analytics and projecting into the future and understanding customer needs. And, and uh, just to uh, just to get a better understanding on the on the difference to the dealer dealer model. So in the dealer model in in Germany, if you walk into a Nissan dealer store, usually people have a certain interest of a car and then they start configurating their car in yes. like um, in the dealer uh, uh, website or like in the whatever interface you might have from a B2C perspective and then the car goes into production and I don't 100%. know what delivery times is today, I guess like five months or, or whatever, maybe even longer for EVs. Um, and here you said you have to um, assume a certain configuration set, what people want and order on your own risk. 100%. So, but, but if you only order, I don't know, yellow car with uh, pink uh, interior uh, because somebody like did a mistake in the configuration, that's on you, right? 100%. Okay. The way it works here is uh, 
we have a history and we read trends in terms of what segments are moving, what customers are demanding, what's the new colors, the life cycle of a certain product, which great to order. We uh, consolidate all that information and we've got product specialists among with the sales team and they project six months in advance what we require. It's not an easy project, but it's something that we've built experience and know-how over the years. And that's how we work. So we're constantly trying to predict customers' needs. So if a customer walks in and demands a car that needs to be configurated, we can work with them, but that's not the norm because no one is willing to wait six months for the car to arrive. And most of the demand is for the next one to two months. So, so, it's, so it's less than 5% of like the configuration. Less than 2%. Less than 2%. Less than 2%, 2%. Uh, the configuration of vehicles. Because that's what usually the automotive industry was bragging about. Like for years, you can configure, I don't know, a hundred different like setups of the seats and the color of the leather of, of the steering wheel. But you say that's not what customer wants. Uh, the customer would prefer immediate gratification, meaning receiving the car in next few weeks, rather waiting four to six months, considering how far away from the production uh, centers around the world. However, if you look at customer satisfaction, we carry the highest overall opinion for Nissan globally. So yes, despite that delay, customers are looking for much more today. It's not just about receiving the product on time, it's meeting their expectation during the purchase cycle. Before Nina, uh, Nina steps in uh, explaining why she's not yet driving a Nissan, <laughs> at least not from the cars I understood so far you're, uh, uh, you're owning. Let's, uh, let's talk about the, the market size here in, uh, yes. in the region. So I understood so you're handling like roughly 30,000 vehicles uh, uh, a year, let's say 20,000 $20, dollars per vehicle. That's quite some amount of money uh, you're, you're, moving, yes. uh, you're, you're moving here. But How many cars are sold, new cars are sold in the region? Uh, and, the, and let's talk about Dubai specific. Dubai is the second biggest market in the Middle East, the biggest being Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is just double the UAE market. So you're looking here around 250, 270,000 vehicles per year are sold. Dubai We, only? No, this is UAE. UAE. UAE peaked at around 416,000 in 2015. Then we had a slowdown up to 220. 2020, after COVID, the market is growing. This year is growing at double digit. We've seen a 22% growth in the total industrial volume uh, here in the UAE year to date. Uh, so, and you're mainly active in the UAE or in other regions too? We, uh, as a group, as Arabian Automobiles, we are active in Dubai and Northern Emirates. However, as a group, Arabian Automobiles is part of and the flagship company of Abdel Wahid Rustumani group of companies. We are in different business lines. Automotive is one of them, but we're also in automotive in the UK where we've got a multitude of uh, dealerships as well, but that's a separate business. Okay, I, I try to I try to do like some mass around like the market share of Nissan because like 30,000 from 250,000 uh, could have been more than 10%, but that ignores like the cars sold in Saudi Arabia, right? Uh, no, no, that's Saudi Arabia is separate. We're selling ah. only here in the UAE. Ah, okay. If we look And into, it's more than 10%. Uh, yes. If we look into Dubai and Northern Emirates, where we, it's our market, our market share ranges between 17 to 19% at any point in time. 
that is, uh, if you compare, uh, you might have the numbers of Europe. What is the market share of Nissan in Europe? No, I don't have the European but numbers. But it must be below 10%. It's That's below 10%. So yes, we have one of the highest market share for Nissan in the world. And we've got the highest overall opinion for Nissan, or one of the highest overall opinion for Nissan in the world. Is Nissan then, uh, um, uh, is Nissan then the, uh, the most uh, favorite brand here? Like just from the sheer, sheer amount of sold cars? Uh, we, uh, look, we compete Nissan with... Nissan is a Volkswagen... Uh, of, Nissan of GCC. is the Volkswagen of the GCC. Nissan is Nissan. I can't really. Yeah, yeah, I need yeah, to be yeah. fair. To I can Nissan. say it. I can say it. So yeah. uh, what's interesting about Nissan is it's part of the heritage of this country. If you drive around, one out of every five cars that are sold are a Nissan car. And if you look at, we offer everything from the uh, basic car that's used for commercial use all the way to the 280 to 300 dirham vehicle, which is the patrol, which leads the market in the large SUV segment and everything in between. So our offering is quite comprehensive. And uh, we make sure that it's not just the product, it's the service that comes behind that product. And I can I just add to that yes. also, actually, because I think... The Nissan that you have an Alex understanding of, you know, from the European market, it's very different here. You know, exactly, exactly what you're talking about. Like any local family, Isn't any it, family it's that opti, opti, Optima is this one of the Nissans. I'm just trying to figure yeah. out what is the main Nissan. You you so think like you know like of smaller cars, but actually yeah, yeah. when I think of Nissan, right, and I know when I came to this region, I also thought you know like sort of like Volkswagen, you know, small cars, affordable cars, but here majority of them exactly what you say. One of the five, you know, and you will see Nissan all the time because local families, m majority, you know, like the market share, if we actually will take local family uh, market share, I would say like probably 70% of them at least have one of their cars would be that big Nissan car that, you know, they like they have drive their, all their kids. It's, it's phenomenal. It's completely, you would never see those cars in European market. So I don't know whether they produce specifically for the Middle East but here, the Nissan is pretty much the your Mercedes Benz, you know, in a, when you think of a local families. So only Europeans. I didn't maybe. know that. I didn't yeah, know that. That's what because I when, to I add. Read, when, when we when initially prepared yesterday for the podcast and read about yet the the, the, the no. that ah Nissan, yeah, okay, yeah, relevant. Uh, but it's 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 not it's not Volkswagen, it's not BMW. But here it is. Uh, Nissan here is perceived with the highest opinion at the highest opinion when they measure opinion about vehicles. And yes, it is quietly considered as the main vehicle that you have. It started off with the local uh, community having it in front of their house as a uh, milestone as, uh, of success. But Correct. when we look at now where we're going, it's in front of every every other house you'll find the Nissan Patrol. It's part of the community. It's part of the culture of the UAE. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's actually like one of your cars. A hundred percent is like in Nissan. You know, that the one which I'm thinking like. Uh, so um, when when I want to buy a Nissan Petrol uh, for myself at home, I should rather go here and uh, buy this. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. Uh, interesting thing is they have uh, two different Nissan models. They were producing the older model, which is called the Nissan Petrol Super Safari Y61. Uh, and when they introduced the new model, which is a completely different, they did that discontinue the old model. People were so keen in terms of having both models that we, they continued. And this is unheard of. It's a business case where you continue producing two models and they're highly regarded with each promoted for a different utility. Crazy. Um, 
one problem of the dealership model in Europe is that there's a disconnection from the OEM to the customer. And we've talked in other podcasts, not in specialty commerce talks, but in Kassenzone, that that makes it kind of hard to really excel on the customer journey. So that's why uh, they're all talking about like the Tesla customer journey somehow because it's a direct-to-consumer model, but uh, 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 they cannot copy it because there's like the dealer in between. Oh. And now they, some of them try to get rid of the dealer get into the direct-to-consumer model, but officially they're saying, no, the dealer's important and we need you. But it's it's a huge conflict. In your model, I understand, so you're responsible for everything, also like for the national marketing campaigns here. So there's no global Nissan headquarter marketing campaigns for GCC. That's you responsible for doing this? Okay, uh, we work with Nissan. No, uh, it's not that we are only responsible. We do have a regional office. We work very closely with them. So if we look at the purchasing cycle, the purchasing cycle starts from awareness, ends with the repurchase. Uh, in between, you've got the purchase, not the repurchase, and you've got the servicing. Let's start with the awareness. If you go to Europe, you've got two players in, when interacting with customers. You've got the OEM creating the campaigns. Then the customer walks into the showroom uh, as a result of those campaigns. However, there is a big challenge in other countries. And that challenge is that you can't do attribution. So if I run a digital campaign, I can't really know whether or not that specific customer walked in because he saw a specific ad on his mobile phone. That's where the disconnect. So I don't know. I'm shooting in the dark, hoping that I'm going to hit something. So when we went to Europe to get best practices, we found out that this disconnect creates friction and creates ambiguity. Here in the UAE and in the Middle East, because we are we play the dual role, we are responsible for the upper funnel and the lower funnel, we would run an awareness campaign for the patrol, followed with an offer. This offer goes digital. A customer goes and starts basically reacting to that offer. So the offer basically directs him to a landing page or he goes into our website, fills his detail. So all of a sudden we've got the details of the customer. When that customer walks into the showroom, we would immediately know to which campaign he reacted to and what what is he in for. I'll talk about that in a minute. So what happens is whatever you do above the line, whatever you do digital, you would immediately capture on the showroom floor and attribute to that activity. And you can calibrate your campaigns to make sure that you get the best return on your investment. That's where the disconnect is. You don't see that in Europe. Can you guide us through like this kind of journey with like a, a sample campaign for, sure. for, for a new car? Uh, so what that. have you done? What have you tested? How have you, how have you adapted? Uh, sure. Look, the way we work, we work backwards. So we say uh, every uh, four customers walking into our showroom, one's going to buy. So we say 25% closing ratio. Then we say, I need to get how many, how many impressions on a certain campaign so that I can get a lead. So that impression is 11%. Every 11% is quite high because we have calibrated who we target. So 11% of the people who react to our campaigns and click and get the details and communicate with us end up walking, half of them end up walking to the showroom and uh, one or 25% end up buying. So that is the funnel we work with. So constantly, let's say a campaign for the Altima. 
Altima came out about three years ago. We want to promote it. We want to make sure that we sell 100 Altimas per month. So automatically what we'll do, we'll do the math and we'll say how many impressions do we need to get above the line and we would work backwards to get that traffic into the showroom basically so the campaign would be a finance zero interest campaign so the number one thing we say is we want a hundred impressions let's say the marketing campaign the marketing team would immediately measure how many people reacted to that campaign how many people communicated to us our walk to the showroom based on that campaign and they would ca calibrate the campaign in case it's not getting them the traffic results once it gets the traffic results they make sure the closing ratio is 25 percent if the closing ratio is not 20 or 25 percent that means the offer is not enticing enough or there's something wrong with the pricing when i when i think about like how, how this kind of journey works in uh, in europe there would have been like a tv campaign around the uh, the um uh, uh, the new car Or like um, at, at least a campaign, maybe it like also like an online campaign Let's driven, 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 campaign. Yes. driven, driven by, uh, uh, driven by Nissan. Though I get some awareness from a customer um, uh, perspective, and then you say, okay, because this is driven by the central Nissan marketing team, they usually lack the feedback from the stores because they don't measure like the exact effect. And but you might have some coupon codes or so, or is is there something you are building in that you can? really measuring the effect yes. of a certain campaign? Uh, the way we measure the campaign is following. First of all, we measure the landing page by which we did the campaign. Then we direct our customers to interact with us because what's happening is customers do not visit your showroom unless they do some sort of an interaction with you. So the first thing we do is we make sure that we create a rapport with the customer. And as we're creating the rapport, we're trying to capture data on the customers. The minute we capture that data on the customers, we're able to tell whether or not that specific customer walked into our showroom that data can range from sharing an email to sharing their mobile number to talking we put a lot of effort into having a communication done with the salesman before walking to the showroom so what happens is you're creating that rapport between the lead and the floor and in reality what we had an issue with when these campaigns are running we've got systems whereby there is a rapport between the salesman or so-called salesman and the customer and what we use is we use technology so that that rapport is created on behalf of the salesman The salesman is the background using Salesforce reading whatever conversation is happening, automated conversation that's happening. So by the time the customer walks into the showroom, a conversation was created with the salesman. That conversation we capture and we carry forward, basically. It's way more advanced than uh, many other retailers. Let me, I think taking it as an example is uh, quite difficult. Let me explain to you the model we work with and that would put it more into perspective. What we do is we draw the customer journey and this customer journey is constantly evolving. So right now, as we speak, we've got focus groups running where we're looking at how the customer journey has evolved since COVID time when we last ran that customer journey. And the customer journey, we identify at which touch points customers are interacting with us. And we look at what data are we capturing and what data can we capture to validate and to lead those customers to go into our landing pages. Let be our website or whether it be a created landwood page. So that's the beginning of the journey. 
as the customer lands on our landing page, they start communicating with us. And we're constantly promoting communication, not visits. And this is very important. As they're communicating with us, it's like drinking water from a fire hose. You get so many customers coming in. We've got an, in the back an uh, automated system that each lead lands, lands at the desk of a salesman. The conversation that happens between the salesman and the customer is automated. So we don't depend on the sales staff to carry that conversation. We depend on a technology and uh, that we use so that that conversation is created. By the time the customer decides to visit, we've captured so much information that we put it on the back of a customized Salesforce solution. When the customer walks into our showroom, we've got systems to detect immediately whether that customer, there has been a rapport with them at any point. That customer then is directed to that specific salesman. If he wants to see... How, how do you identify we, the we customer? Have a, uh, the customer is identified either by mobile number, phone ID. So we have different means okay. of capturing, of ensuring that customer is captured. Once that customer walks into the showroom, we know that we had a conversation. Guess what? The conversation with him that happened online is in the back end of Salesforce. When that salesman is called out, to talk to that customer, he reads the whole history. And most of the cases, it's a predetermined appointment. So he had already uh, read the history because we push for appointments. We don't push for sales. So once you've got that appointment happening, that conversation moves forward. Uh, Alex, one of the most frustrating things for customers is to have a conversation online. They come into your showroom and they're in to talk about financing while you're trying to figure out that their name is Alex and you ask the customer, what's your name? And that customer is going to look at you and yeah, say, what yeah. do you mean? I'm Alex. I've been talking to you now for four weeks online. I'm here to talk yeah. about the financing. You know, so that's where... I, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that you can pull this kind of stuff off. It's, it's not even working in a call center. You know, I explain my case in a call center and then, yeah, yeah, okay, I have a person who helps you. I have to explain again. Right. <laughs> every, every data needs to be captured again. It's, so, uh, impressive. It's, it's quite interesting. And this is where we've been able to do the breakthrough. One of the reasons you get the success of Nissan, Infinity, and Renault in this market because of our uh, reputation and customer and customer centricity. And the customer centricity comes from the back of two things. The technology and the empathetic team, and we push a lot on empathy. When a customer comes into your showroom, he's looking for three things. He's looking for validation, he's looking for empathy, and he's looking for trust. And if your team is not ready to carry the conversation forward and is able to convey these three things, you've lost the game. How many people are working in a showroom here for you? Uh, right now, uh, what we've got is our ratio in the UAE is about 15 to 16 customers per salesman. This is uh, per month. Uh, so every customer here sells about 15 to 16. The, tech, the uh, complexity comes from the ability to use technology in the workplace. And this is why, what we've been quite focused on in terms of making sure that the salesman, the saleswoman, that customer reception is able to use these technologies. Because if you've got the best technologies, but if you don't have the people, the frontline staff and the support staff that are able to use those technologies, you're not going to go anywhere. So, so you would say the sales case, European car dealers are optimizing for like having a random person coming into the shop because he saw like an automotive ad and trying to sell on this person. That is an edge case here. 
Uh, yes. When we went to Europe, one of the biggest challenges we saw there is that each dealer has a different dealer management system, which is called the DMS. Yeah. When they want to yeah. go and yeah, yeah. <laughs> they want they want to go and integrate with the national sales company or the OEM, you've got so many solutions on the ground. It becomes quite complex to do the integration, yeah. and the investment is so high that they are unable to. So that is one of the challenges we observed while we're trying to get best practices from Europe. Nice. Okay, so I think we picked a lot about the cars and how this model works. Now we are in seamless and e-commerce and digital. 100%. So maybe we can pick a bit of. So he seems like. No, don't be unfair. <laughs> no, don't don't ask him what, what do we need the salesman for when you couldn't can do it online. No, I think actually I'm gonna take it to the parts part because sure. over here, you know. So I think as much as we mastered maybe the like and um, please add something from the digital in selling the car. And obviously during COVID, we had to start selling cars online. Oh, nice. So I'm keen to hear your views. But I'm also interested to hear, you know, specifically on the parts, because you are definitely getting disrupted by the marketplaces, you know, because there was a big um, gap in the market. No one was selling parts online. And a number of uh, well-established automobile companies are trying to, I would say, recapture the market share they lost to the newcomers. So I'm interested to hear like your views on selling parts, you know, but selling parts maybe on the digital ecosystem and how difficult or easy that is. I love your question. And uh, the biggest challenge with parts is having the right stock. You can order a lot of parts and make sure that you've got the right stock, but you're overstocked and you're going to be eaten up with obsolescence. So how do you find the fine line between making sure that you've got the right stock in the right quantity and not get into a situation of obsolescence. If you think about parts, the big players such as us, you need to carry about 50, 55 to 60,000 line items that need to be ordered, that need to be priced right, and need to be with the customer at the right time. Very complex. So that's the main barrier of entry is stocking right. In today's world, technology has come in and AI has come in to become the default function in terms of ordering. So in the past, what you used to do is you'd categorize your parts into slow moving, medium moving, fast moving. You would get a bunch of team. They would put the spreadsheets, the paper and pen, and they would start. And guess what? Most of the time, they'll start getting it wrong. They would come in and start discounting, disrupt the market, and becomes really a headache. And what we've moved into is we've moved into, and I call it a default AI. So you don't need to build the algorithms. The algorithms are already built for you, but that's not enough. What we do is we work with Synchron. Uh, they're our partner here in the region in terms of the uh, stocking uh, model and the stocking software enterprise solution that we use. But what you need to build is the competency in terms of reading numbers. Because what we do is uh, we constantly track the pricing of parts in the marketplace but if you track it online, you need a team to remove the anomalies, adjust the figures, uh, it's called scrapping, move it into your system, uh, track what your competitors are pricing at to come to a conclusion. So that is a new competency that's being built into our system where you've got the software and you've got the people. That's another barrier. 
So despite the market being disrupted, but unless you've got these competencies, whether the systems or the people, so that you can drive the market, I'm not worried. And what we've seen is we've brought our stocking levels down, we've uh, reduced our working capital, uh, reduced as well our obsolescence, and we've been able to be more accurate in terms of ordering and in terms of pricing. And that's the name of the game. And that requires volume, requires mass, and requires competencies. Great. So it's all because thanks to digital technology, you are able to optimize it. So what about cars itself? Then? You know, What's your take on starting to sell cars online? Uh, end-to-end digital yeah. journey. Yeah, because because you have uh, on the landing page, you have already like the conversation with the customer yeah. and then it's okay. It's in the, still sending him like in the hands the, of a salesperson. Yes. Uh, look, uh, you walk into an operating room, you've got the best robotics and they're going to run a simple, a simple operation on you. Would you be comfortable with only robotics? And what we found out when we we're talking to our P- uh, to customers, uh, yes, yes, co- I would be, I would be, yes. <laughs> you would be. <laughs> yeah, you're the anomaly. <laughs> now, most customers are looking for, and most of our clients, what they're looking for is that assurance. And I talked about three things: they're looking for empathy, they're looking in terms of uh, making sure that the decision they made is the right decision with the right partner, and they're making sure that. What they're getting is what they're expecting. So there's still an element of touch and feel. We still like walking to the showroom, touching the car, seeing the true color and having a conversation. In the past, customers would visit us three times into the to four times into the showroom before they close the deal. Now it's one visit that they walk in. And that visit is for the validation. That visit is because they want to make sure that the empathy is there and that's how they move forward. So it's still but, an important component. But if, if, if you can reduce like the amount of visits like to, uh, to one instead of like three visits, 100%. do you need then less, less. salespeople? On the contrary, the amount of, despite automating the conversation with customers, at the later part of the conversation, it becomes online personal between the customer as well as the uh, salesman. So the demand on the salesman in terms of preparing his uh, his customer profile when the customer is visiting Uh, creating that rapport with the customer, even writing. Sometimes the salesman switches to WhatsApp in terms of his conversation. He's spending less time with the customer face-to-face, but he's spending much more time on our digital platform, making sure that the conversation is happening right. But then uh, I guess like one KPI managing your business for the salespeople is like the amount of cars they can sell per month. Is it? That's the outcome. That's not their output. Uh, their output is uh, basically where did uh, uh, whether or not that conversation that happened online what turned into a visit, whether or not the uh, WhatsApp messaging or the conversation he got a reply for. So we we don't look at the outcomes. We look at the output. The output would result into a purchase. Uh, So one of the biggest uh, areas we focus on is how do we turn that lead into a walk-in? That's the biggest visit. And that's the number one. And we know by default, if you walk into our showroom, our conversion ratio is about 25%, uh, basically. 
um, for this visit or like in general people that are interested? Meaning no. that like 75% of those who went through the digital journey are eventually buying not a Nissan. 11% of the leads that we start a conversation with that are authentic because some customers come in for service. We take those out. So what we do, the first thing we do is we take the data, the lead, and we make sure that's authentic leads or redirected. The authentic leads, 11% of those basically and uh, actually 11% of those end up buying uh, about, uh, cars from us. So what we do is we make sure that we don't go for volume, we go for quality that is converted into sales. And on that, you know, as you say, so, you know, it's a, it's a very successful and, and, and you as a company doing a really wonderful job. I can confirm it from the Thank sort you. of seeing it around and being here around. But now when it comes to purchasing a new car, right? And also I might be driving, you know, in this region, we also change cars a lot like faster than anywhere probably else in the world. Here we, we change quite regularly and then it's quite a, quite a usual behavior of consumer. So how do you utilize that data maybe like to kind of start offering them the next car or like start offering the service? Like 100%. maybe you can elaborate more about that whole customer retention and making sure that when I come to that moment of changing my car, I don't go for the next, let's say Tesla because that's the next glitz and glam that everyone 100%. wants to have. Uh, we've got 82% retention of our customers. That means 82% of the people who buy vehicles come back for service. And what? And we've won awards on AI modeling where we predict two things. We predict, first of all, what is the propensity of you coming into our workshop? And we predict as well, what are you looking for when you're coming to our workshop? So that we try to identify rejectors and try to bring them in Often those rejectors actually are not sensitive about price. They've got other concerns in our value proposition that are quite important for them that we need to calibrate to bring them in. So our number one job is to make sure that you, we keep you with us when you're coming in and you're quite happy with the experience that you had. So Why, that's so just on your retention definition, so what are the other 18% that bought a car? Where do they bring it? No, 80% of the customers that buy cars, 20% don't come to us. They go to third-party garages ah, okay. or uh, basically they do the repair themselves or often miss a year and a half of repair and then decide in terms of coming back. So oh. there are plenty of reasons. Uh, okay, and, and what is the what is the true um, uh, OEM retention? So how many cars, uh, how many customers that bought a Nissan before buy as a Nissan as in the next car? Uh, the uh, challenge with that is you're constantly talking to new customers coming into market and you need to make sure that you've got the car park ah. that attracts them and the constant strong communication that's making sure that's bringing them into our workshops. But, but, but how important is like, car innovation so let's say so you say nissan the nissan patrol is like a super popular uh, car here but i don't know it's like the next big ev uh, generation can can it make a huge difference to the to your whole business model because you're still dependent on a high innovation level of nissan so you're you, you can you're not able to sell like shit cars so there must be like a decent level of quality and, and innovation no, no, uh, dependent on nissan definitely uh evs are the future um 
whether or not they're going to be le using lithium batteries that's another question but the uh, or another technology but electrical vehicles are the future and Nissan does have electrical vehicles actually it's a leader in electrical vehicles so is Renault as well fantastic lineup with Renault uh, so at the right time we're going to be introducing electrical vehicles here in the market uh, electrical vehicles so it's not yet introduced EVs are successful in the UAE in the luxury segment which is about 8% of the overall uh, total industrial volume. So when we introduced electrical vehicles and we're the first to promote electrical vehicles here, we found out that due to that vi uh, price uh, uh, parity, we, you've got a challenge here in the UAE because unlike Europe, we don't subsidize electrical vehicles, uh, basically. So you see them quite often in luxury, but you don't see the same volume. But the prices are coming down. And as prices coming down, the penetration of, of electrical vehicles but is going to increase. The Infinity line is a luxury line of Nissan. Yes, the Infinity line is uh, Infinity is a luxury line. Uh, right now, we're not offering electrical vehicles. Okay. Uh, in the future, there we will come out and basically share some news as well, but not right now. Okay, so re retention rate understands uh, um, winning new customers. I also uh, I also understand, which is well, what I don't understand is like if you're so good in uh, in um, predicting the conversion rates and like building the funnel from the end what is uh, what is your gross limitation because if you can do it you can go like to the to a certain point into your gross model where you say okay you need to at least um, generate five percent uh, EBITDA because it's still a family-owned business so everybody wants to <laughs> make some money but you eventually could scale to this kind of point or have you scaled to this kind of point? Uh, on service, I always tell the team a 1% marginal gain is a breakthrough in our uh, retention rates because at 80% to 82%, that's where we're hovering. It's very difficult to grow it more, yet the team is working on that. Okay, so now as we are in this digital exhibition and today we heard a lot of speakers talk about uh, digital in store right and it's coming back so what what's your take you know of uh, uh, arabian automobiles like are you doing some innovation in store considering all these customers are coming and maybe going from 25 to 26 percent conversion if you uh, like right uh, i'll tell you the first thing we've done interesting enough it's not only in service in sales and service as well uh customers when come in we've got rid of desks there's no such da as thing as desk. So it's not like a, in the new fancy hotels. Yeah. They don't have reception to this. Exactly. Where in the hospitality business, yeah. you don't want to walk in into a sales uh, or into a showroom and sit on a desk. You want to be free to roam around and have that conversation. And the data is captured yeah, yeah. on the. That's, a very, that's actually a very good point. That's what uh, we, we explained before we started the conversation. Because uh, uh, when I saw when I told him about like the big OEM dealerships in in Europe, I see like five salespeople sitting sitting at desks, desk. and I know okay, these are people earning I don't know sixty hundred k a year, which I have to pay <laughs> with uh, with the power. Yeah, and it's it's probably actually a negative signal uh, seeing something sitting on a desk and. Then I ask myself, okay, what is so a those people they don't have any information. Fantastic. What are they doing all the time on their screen for configuring cars? I don't know. Uh, in our case, all our sales staff sit in the back in a uh, secluded area. However, they see the showroom floor, and they're sitting on their sales force, interacting with customers, building on that rapport that was started months ago or weeks ago, 
or reading about the next appointment that they've got and what transaction or interactions that the system and they had historically so that they know how to carry the conversation. But, but, but then the salesperson can also be the person doing a chat online. So it, it, uh, yes, it could it, be a salesperson sitting at one of your Nissan stores. At the early stages, it's never the salesperson because the salesperson can't score how serious a sale. Oh, yeah. I can't depend on it. So what we did is we made sure that the system carried the conversation early on, not the salesman. As your scoring increases through that conversation, as we start reading your behavior and scoring you, that lead automatically goes to the salesman. The salesman is given at a later stage to carry that conversation forward. Once the salesman carries that conversation, the most important thing for that salesman is that when that customer comes in on an appointment, he needs to make sure that he's gone through that rhetoric, that conversation, and taking that conversation. So our sales staff are sitting in the back with their computer, working with Salesforce, and really doing the follow-up, the conversation, and the as the appointment comes. When the sales, when you come in into our showroom, you're met by a receptionist. The first thing the receptionist is going to tell you: What's your mobile number? The minute she enters your mobile number, your name is going to pop without you telling her that you've got an appointment with, let's say, Ahmed. Ahmed would know you just walked in, his details is, will pop. The sales manager will know as well that Alex walked in, he's supposed to be with Ahmed. The sales manager looks at the showroom floor. If Ahmed is not on the showroom floor, he triggers an alert. That's on a mobile phone. So the dynamics of the technology for Spryker. I see a lot of <laughs> potential. So, so that's what happens. As you walk in, you don't want a transaction. You want a relationship. So the what we did is we changed the configuration of our showroom. So you get to choose where you sit. Do you want to sit on a sofa and the salesman offers you coffee? Or you want to sit in a secluded room, basically on a round table? Or, so you get to choose where you want to sit with different configuration. He's not using his laptop, he's using his iPad. So the conversation between you and him and all the data that's available is on his iPad and that's how it goes. And by the way, that's how it works in service as well. In service, you come into our service center, you're sitting in your car, you drive into the service, you don't get out of your car. The receptionist meets you at the front, takes your data and you can leave that car is driven in. We do all the communication, the approval online. So if you need, uh, we need something in terms of approval, we'll send you the pictures as long as the prices and why do you need. On a touch of a button, you approve that additional repair, you come in or we can send the car for that's you a, if you want to. It sounds like Star Trek. That's so far away from the service No, level. I can add you like, yeah. you know, from the female's perspective, yeah. right? So maybe like my husband is interested in hearing, you know, like what are the details? So for me, is exactly what you just mentioned, is that convenience that they send me in the link. I don't even understand, you know, but it's so like even the, the grouping, the explanations are grouped like this is all to do with tires. They could have 20 things about tires, you know, but it's so clearly like visible. Right. This is tires, this is engine, this is, I don't know, wind, windshield. And then, you know, like a very clear explanation of the salesperson, not, not some sort of writing that you need another Google to explain to you. But on top of it, you know, this whole WhatsApp integration, they will send you a video. Like sometimes I'm surprised, you know, how they go under my car and, you know, I'm not even interested in the details, but the, but the details are there and it's so conveniently accessible that it just makes you approve yeah. that 
I would say the it's invoice a, even faster because you're like, it removes all the headache. That's the idea. Yeah, <laughs> that is the idea. You know? It's, it's, like, it's uh, basically monetizing your digital platforms, convenience, meaning customer satisfaction, meaning profitability for both yeah so yeah. it's an it's i think it's another seamless fairy tale so it's like uh, coming from the car from from the country of car oems uh, finding the pinnacle of car dealerships in dubai is definitely <laughs> something i i did not expect uh, before but it totally makes sense That's in this uh, national car sales um, look model. if you ask me yeah. what's the most challenging thing is not the technology Uh, we work with PwC, Salesforce, Oracle Consultancy, uh, with Bain, McKin I'll, I'll, they all they've got offices in our offices and we're working together and developing basically project systems. That's the easy part. The hard part is how do you make sure that you've got the mindset in an organization yeah. where from the directors that I work with all the way down to the service receptions and the technician appreciate Uh, technology are, and buy into the technology that you're trying to introduce. That's the most difficult thing. Nice. Really nice. So as a final, I think, before we move on, what's next? Are you looking into implementing ChatGBT, you know, into your journey? <laughs> what's next, you know? No, 100%. What's uh, happening is the following. We're looking at the emerging trends. Robotics is an emerging trend that we need to basically leverage more on. Uh, we how, how? how? Uh, there are many uh, repetitive uh, activities that are taking place, whether with the conversation with the customer, we're still at the early stages of automating it. We need to make sure that we introduce robotics in other areas of the business. So the first area that we're looking at is where can we automate more to standardize? Uh, especially right now in our call center. The other element we're looking at is we're generating so much data. However, we're still getting marginal benefit from it. So AI, building those algorithms is so important for us to get insights to make better decision-making. We've already had success stories. We need more success stories in AI as well. But at the same time, we're looking on the uh, medium and long Uh, and uh, the third generation, Web3, is coming. So where do you put your resources? That's the big question. Do you put them just on right now? And how do you prepare and be ready for Web3? Because that's a game changer. Definitely for experience standpoint. Uh, yeah, now I want to buy an SM petrol. It's here. That's, uh, that's uh, the outcome. Uh, do you, uh, I'll send you a car to test drive and we'll take it yeah, from there. And it'll be good. delivered to you here. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have like uh, 24 hours to go in Dubai. Let's see how fast you can. <laughs> I would love you can to do. have you come in and we give you a tour so that uh, you get to, to uh, basically see what I'm talking about, experience what I'm talking about and understand how we integrate people with technology to get the results yeah, we're giving. Super interesting. I will definitely send a couple of car dealers in Germany. You're doing a wonderful job. Oh, I must say for sure, you know, you, know, it's, you know, you're definitely ahead of the curve when it comes to general. Like I think, first of all, the leadership, you know, like anyone from the whole group uh, is just honestly true, phenomenal leaders. You know, I haven't met anyone that I would be like, you don't deserve the spot. So I think, and, and that really like boils Thank down you. to that. It starts from the leadership, the way you are definitely embracing the technology. Anytime I talk, whether I talk with the vendors you mentioned, whether I talk, you know, in other like e-commerce sort of industries, they, they always mention your name specifically, you know, because they either 
learn from you, uh, experienced it, or or they are your customers. So definitely that, and that comes to like a wonderful thing. And I'm glad you know you get to share, you know, with the wider audience we Thank have listening to this podcast. I'm really humbled. I'm really, really humbled. We believe that we've got a long way to go. Uh, we're constantly being disrupted. Uh, if we're not disrupting we're out of the game and we need to be as you said ahead of the curve you can't be behind the market is changing at such a high velocity if you're not changing at a faster velocity you're out of the game that's that's the biggest challenge today yeah you should be a keynote speaker for many uh, dealership uh, meetings in germany thanks so it's like uh, i see a lot of tears already <laughs> <laughs> okay thank you for your thank time you.